Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Another night of NBA playoffs in the books. Were you surprised? Lakers back home win. First time they won a playoff game at home since 2012. Yikes. First time they'd been there since 2013. I knew it had been a while. Didn't know it had been that long. Of course, the bubble extended all those streaks. Well, they get the win at home. They beat the Suns, who are just a shadow of the Suns. Chris Paul tries to play. Chris Paul makes a few plays. Everyone gets excited. Eventually, Chris Paul's sitting over on the bench looking sad, and the Lakers are on the court pulling away. I don't think LeBron James is healthy. He doesn't look as explosive to me. Don't see him changing directions and exploding out of cuts. Once in a while, you see that athleticism, you know, straight line to the hoop. Mostly, though, I see a guy flat-footed, looking for cutters, looking to pass the ball, looking to be a facilitator. Once in a while, he picks his spots and explodes to the rim. But it's usually in a straight line. But he's getting away with it. Maybe he's getting a little healthier. Maybe he's tweaking it and not letting us know. He's going to play that close to the vest, obviously. Whatever he's got, it's enough against this version of the Suns because Chris Paul just isn't right. And now the Lakers are up 2-1. They're halfway to getting out of this series and moving on to the second round where they will get either Portland or Denver. And Denver went into Portland and won. They're up two games to one. Denver had a big lead. Um, Lillard is a volume shooter, volume three-point shooter. He's 5 of 16. Uh, Had a big game, scored a bunch of points. Jokic scored a bunch of points, was more efficient. Denver had a big lead, and down the stretch, last three minutes, you got to get it done, and sure enough, Damian Lillard hits a couple of big threes. And then McCollum hits a huge three, and they get within three, and they foul, and there's like four seconds left in the game, and they send Monty Morris to the line. And he misses the first And he misses the second. But under the theory they need a bunch of three-point shooters out there, they didn't have a rebounder like Cantor or Nurkic there. Covington and Carmelo Anthony were underneath. And guess what happened? The presumptive MVP, the Joker, just pushed Covington, who was on his side, just pushed Covington under the rim. (laughs) He just moved him right out of the way. And then... Went to get the rebound, tried to tip it in, missed, went back up, tipped it again, and it went in, and they were up five, and that was that. The Blazers were close to having one last shot to get to overtime, and Jokic didn't let him have it. After the missed free throws in a three-point game, he got the tip in, and that's it. The Nuggets win 120 to 115. So Jokic and the Nuggets now up two games to one, and the Lakers up two games to one on the Suns. Now, the Jazz... A different matter. What's going to happen? Uh, game three, Saturday night in Memphis. Uh, we're going to talk with Joe Ingles coming up later this hour. You're going to hear from him as the Jazz get ready to go to Memphis for games on Saturday and Monday. And uh, got a few questions for him on that foul. That that was that was something. It, it, we've seen a lot of guys bite on a three-point shooter, you know, faking, and we see the flyby, and we, sometimes we see him crash into him, and sometimes we see the, the shooter stick his legs out, so as the guy's trying to fly by him, there's contact, and then whose fault is it, and what do the refs see, and do they go review it, and all that stuff. I just don't think I've seen anyone do what Dylan Brooks did, and just saddle up and hop on Joe's shoulders, get a piggyback ride. So we'll talk with Joe about that. 
talk with you all about the level of preparation for uh, Game 2 versus Game 1 and uh, what they've picked up here through two games as they go to Memphis now, see if the Jazz can trick control this series, or do they go there and split, which I, I do think seems like the most likely outcome. I could see that, and then I could see the Jazz win in 5 and 6. Um, <clears throat> but first things first, just go out and try to win Game 3. you gotta you got to win the first one before you win them both, so we'll see what the Jazz do. So we'll hear from Joe Ingles coming up, and we've also got Craig Bullerjack coming up next. So all of that on the way. And then at some point, well, at 7 o'clock, we'll do what is trending, and that'll give us a chance to talk about the Pirates, who apparently don't know the rules of baseball very well. See, when the ball gets hit to third and you throw it to first, you don't have to tag the guy. I know the throw was up the line and all that or down the line towards home plate. Um, but when you catch it, if the guy backs up, just turn around and step on the bag. What a comedy of errors by the, by the Pirates. A mental blunder and then two throwing errors. and uh, ugh, that, was, that was awful. Awful. Pirates and Cubs. Just terrible. We'll get to that coming up. Uh, coming up next, we have Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. We'll get his thoughts as the uh, Jazz win 141-129, an incredibly high-scoring game, and even the series up at a game apiece and get ready to go to Memphis. Bowler next, and then Joe Ingles. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We had Craig Bullerjack on kind of late in the show yesterday. Want to let you listen to his conversation as uh, the Jazz turn things around, get the win over Memphis, even the series up at a game of one, now a game apiece. It's 1-1, and now the Jazz have to go to Memphis and do the same thing. And Bowler with thoughts on the series, on Mitchell's return, and on Joe Ingles being a good teammate and giving the seventh man of the year award, uh, the sixth man of the year award from the seventh man of the year, uh, to his teammate Jordan Clarkson. So here's uh, Craig Bowlerjack with PK and I on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowlerjack. Bowler, good morning. Hello, DJ. PK, how are you? Good. All is right with the world, once again, because the Jazz picked up the offense and just outscored Memphis. Now, that might drive Quinn Snyder nuts, but I don't know the Jazz fans minded. That was entertaining. It was a W. Mitchell looked good. What more did you want, Bowler? Well, I mean, it's it's a playoff uh, franchise record in scoring, right? Also, most points allowed in a playoff game, uh, 141-129. I'll be honest, I've got some free-throw hangover today. Uh, you know, I mean, well, the whistle was pretty was pretty uh, popular, you know, in that game last night. Uh, amazing to watch that you can put, you know, two teams at the line almost 70 times, 69 to be exact. But to your point, yes, the energy in the building was awesome. Uh, and of course, Donovan, I thought his emotion just ran through the entire team and that's who he is. That's what he does. And in the limited minutes that he played, 
Uh, you know, there's a couple of moments you go, uh-oh, because of just the physical. You, you understand, I think, more and more how physical he plays. And so when he, you know, hits the floor a couple of times and took a walk back the tunnel, into the tunnel, you thought, what's going on? But in the post game, we understood, you know, he was just trying to keep keep that ankle warm. But I thought with the minutes given, he did great. And um, obviously the players, his teammates followed and uh, there's a few holes in the defense. Obviously, uh, John Moran is a terrific young talent, but he got into the paint a ton. And, of course, uh, the Jazz have got to make uh, some adjustments as they head down uh, to Memphis. I think that his mere presence, and what I mean by that making a difference, is that once we all, everybody, I'm talking fans, broadcasters, obviously players, coaches, owners, you name it, that once we saw him out there, and he looked like Donovan Mitchell, like there wasn't any, like with Chris Paul, he comes out the other night and he just didn't look like Chris Paul. And I think that had an, a, neg- a negative effect on the Suns because like, wow, we don't have Chris Paul, the Chris Paul that we know that got us to this point. And I think that really was a letdown for those guys and they end up losing the game. Conversely, the positive here is that Mitchell looked like the Donovan Mitchell that we have seen many, many times over, even though there wasn't as many minutes as he normally would play but his very presence he hits the shot right off the bat I thought that really set the tone and everybody could relax because it was like we got our guy you just said the you know the three that's the magical moment the first shot out of his hand in 17 games in nearly six weeks I mean, that's how you paint the return, right, PK? I mean, if you get that type of shot and everyone does have the feeling of everything is okay, everything's okay, and it does spread throughout the arena, spreads around his teammates, and you can tell that. You're, you're spot on. You can tell that. And the Jazz, of course, struggled in game one from the three-point line, and they shoot 49% in game two after shooting 26% in uh, the first game. So, yes, making that first shot, which happened to be a three, just sets the plate, or I should say puts sets the table. And uh, everyone came to feast a little bit. I, I thought you're right. I mean, the emotion of that moment and just having the crowd rise to their feet, yeah, that was, that was special. Craig Bolderjack joining us, TV voice of the Jazz. So... How much are you worried about Jordan Clarkson in the three-point shooting? One of 14, he banked one in. That's the only make in the series, 0 for 8 in the opener and 1 for 6 in game two. How much are you worried, or how much did you see him going to the hoop and getting the free throw line and thinking, well, as long as he scores, it doesn't matter how? You know, I think we get uh, pretty pretty engrossed with Clarkson, and I get it, uh, sixth man of the year. Uh, I think there's been a stretch here, even in the uh, at the end of the regular season, where the three-point shot has been difficult for him uh it it feels rushed to me i don't know again if it's too much talk too much hype too much pressure but i i'm i still appreciate the fact that he is starting to understand more and more that he can do more than just knock threes you know down it's like you just said to the rim he was seven for seven from the free throw line last night and he's still getting his point production i mean you get a label sometime it's probably our fault, you know, but fans love, you know, what we call the flamethrower, and the guy is just relentless in the way that he plays and continues to search, dribble, and find buckets. And he's, I think he's impactful just as much, to be honest. If he recognizes a three-point shot or they're defending him on the three-point line, 
the way that he's goes going to the rim and getting to the free throw line is just as good as knocking down threes. You're judged many times in this league, especially with the way the Jazz depend on the three and Clarkson's uh, ability to hit that three and being a game changer. Uh, that that's kind of I can name multiple times in my mind where he's he's helped change the flow of a game just with his three-point shot and, and, and pulling the trigger on a three, but it hasn't happened in the postseason. It's going to come back. I think Quinn Snyder totally has confidence in, in Jordan Clarkson. Look, nothing's going to sway that. Uh, we've seen enough proof that he can, uh, you know, he. It's a, it's the way that the three-point shooters are. It's a roller coaster, as we know. And I think right now, a lot's going on in his head, and he's just got to settle down and play his game. But he's also making it making adjustments uh, that he can, it's not working outside, go inside and find yourself to the free throw line. It's just as effective. doesn't matter how you score, just put numbers on the board. Morant gets a lot of run, and he's a fantastic player. It's fun to watch. Brooks now, uh, you got to tip your cap to him because he's a tough, hard-nosed kid, and he's playing well. The thing, the, the, one of the guy, the guy who probably scares me the most. I mean, you know, Durant, Moran obviously is the guy, but this Valanciunas man, he is such a load. And we saw that Derek Favors has a hard time matching because the size difference is pretty big. And it's like Gobert is pretty much the only guy that can do anything with him because of his bulk and all that stuff. How much are you concerned that he still uh, is going to be effective and maybe even more effective in the rest of this series? BK, it's all about the whistle. It's all about who it will be or will not be in foul trouble, right? I mean, Gobert picked up four. uh, Valanchunas last night uh, had four as well, so they kind of negate each other a bit. Rudy, you know, was on the rim. I thought he played really well, Um, you know, efficient. Only missed two shots, 21 points. He rebounded. Had a couple three-block shots. But Valanciunas, to your point, man, the guy is a load. And the part of it is he has a more of an offensive game than Gobert. Rudy, as we all know, is at the rim. And Conley, by the way, did a marvelous job getting Gobert involved, right, last night. Pocket passes, put it right where it had to be, and made Rudy really a, a big force offensively. But Valanciunas can turn. He'll face up. He's got the hook shot. But, look, there's, they have kind of like their many big three. I'm just, you know, Valanciunas, Brooks, and Morant. And if you get a guard line with a big, you're going to be a difficult team to beat. And that's who they've become. And they've grown with, by the way, since the Jazz swept the season series uh, in the regular season, I mean, that team's grown a lot. Uh, Dylan Brooks, man, out of nowhere, just has become a force. He has confidence, to your point. And Jaw last night, I just don't know what how you stop it. I mean, he is—he's not a three-point shooter, but he's in the paint. And the shot of the shots, the, now that the shot that's in vogue in the NBA is the floater. And boy, he is good at getting in the paint, timing it, able to drop it over Gobert and D Faves. And they're going to have to figure something out to keep him outside the paint force him into a jump shooter or try to force him out on the you know three-point line somehow but the way he is able to to maneuver himself into the lane is is pretty impressive i mean look what he did with curry and golden state in the in the final play-in that got him into the playoffs and he's had a pretty good i mean not pretty good he's had a really good series uh, against utah right now and he's scary every time he touches the ball especially in the second half last night i kind of felt like look he had his way 
He's built his confidence. And look at the numbers he put up, 47. Wow, 47. And it looked easy, by the way. PK, it looked easy. So Gobert and Conley get in foul trouble, and the Jazz lose game one. Right. Alan Shunas and Brooks get in foul trouble, and the Grizzlies lose game two. And in both cases, the foul trouble was immediate. It was in the first part of the first quarter that the fouls started piling up. So I'm kind of thinking that the NBA isn't going to want to be four or five games deep and having to say, well, whoever's in foul trouble, the refs are deciding the series. I think right. they're going to go to Memphis and they're going to let them play. Assuming a game is refereed with a let them play mentality, who does that benefit? Uh, it may benefit... Well, Memphis likes to play rough and physical, right? We saw that with Dylan Brooks with his headbutt routine in Game One, and Valanciunas uh, is a is a rough, rugged guy down in the paint. It may it may frustrate the Jazz that there are no calls, to be honest. And DJ, to your point, I just made a note to myself in my my scorecard last night. Dylan Brooks played eight minutes in the first half, and Valanciunas seven, and then they were able to stay on the floor the mm-hmm. second half. Yeah, they were. And I think to your point. You know, it's who stays on the floor and who can stay productive and find their rhythm, right? Uh, We'll see how the home court plays into the hands of the Memphis Grizzlies, right, in the next two games. It's 1-1, but I got a feeling this is going to be more difficult than, than people expected. Can they win? Yeah, absolutely. They're a better team depth wise. The benches are going to give you much, if anything. I mean, Grayson Allen, you know, was a goose egg last night, and you get a bucket or two on occasion from uh, Bain and Melton. But the Jazz are a, are a deeper team that, in my book, is going to be the the uh, the deciding factor in this series, which will go Utah's way. Yeah, I, and that's what I think. The bottom line is the Memphis got some good players, and they're a team on the come. But the bottom line, as I say again and repeat it, reiterate again, is that the Jazz have. It's not good grammar, but they have more better players. That, that that's how I see it. That's no, how I see the difference. As questions go, that, that was flawless. Yeah, yeah, but TPK, they're more better, more better, good. They are. They just have. If I line up the rosters, they're deeper. Probably the better way to say it. But what the heck? Yeah. Well, Clarkson, Joe, George. Uh, and then what Favors gave the Jazz in game one in a loss was pretty impressive last night. You know, he was still, what was he? He, had, he only played 12 minutes, but the, he got five points and three rebounds. But, you know, if you break down the minutes, uh, I mean, his game one performance was about as good as, as we've seen all year long. Um, 12, 11, and four. That's, that's D phase, man, at his best. But, you know, the George Niangs are going to have to chip in. Eight to ten points. You know what Joe's about. And Clarkson still finds a way, as we mentioned. The three may not fall, but he still has a way to get to the line and, and, and sneak in and score at the rim. So, you know, even a – I mean, I don't know if Ilya Sova is going to be a part of this or not. I thought he would be more, but I just don't know if it's, that's going to be uh, something the Jazz will use. It looks like uh, the decision's been made who's going to play, and it's a tight rotation. Mia Yoni hasn't played, Ilya Silva, Matt Thomas, uh, Trent Forrest. But if needed, they're there. But I think, again, I think you see the rotation and how it's going to play out. 
So Grayson Allen plays 23 minutes and is uh, minus 10 in the plus-minus in Game 1. And then in Game 2, he's 0 for 6 and minus 23 in 19 minutes. Can they eliminate the Grayson Allen minutes? Because it looks to me like the Jazz are feasting on him. They obviously have the perfect scouting report for him. They know him well. Is this an advantage the Jazz are just going to... Well, to PK's point about the bench, let's face it, Memphis has the worser bench. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That was also, I could say, worse on the radio. Don't kid worse yourself. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's, I'm, I'm looking at the box score last night, and, and you know, Bain played uh, 24 minutes and gave them eight, uh, five points. And Grayson Allen, you're right. I don't know. I, I don't think they have much more to go to. Taylor Jenkins, uh, their head coach, I don't think there's much more that, that he's got to go to. So, at Grayson Allen really it has got to be a player, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, that has to step up for Memphis if they want to have a chance to upset the one seed. But, I, you know, we saw Grayson Allen for, what, a short period of time, 30, 35, 30, 35 plus games. And there were moments that he was able to, to, to look like he was NBA ready. Uh, I thought in game one, you know, he had a little bit more, uh, a little bit more spunk. I mean, he, he, you know, he only played 23 minutes, but still, he hit a three, I guess. But yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't uh, performed like I thought he would. Um, defensively, he's kind of his. Maybe he, maybe he taught Dylan Brooks some of the physical play of defense, right, from his uh, days at Duke. But um, I still think the bottom line is that the Jazz are the better team uh, and, and are the deeper team, and that's going to be the, the deciding factor in this series. I, I just don't see, uh, you know, really any more minutes for uh, productive minutes for Grayson Allen. He is who he is. And the same with Desmond Bain, the rookie, and the same with Anthony Melton. I mean, I don't think you're going to get more than 14, 17 points out of that group of players. And it's all on the big three of Memphis. It's on Morant. It's on Brooks. It's on Valanchunas. And maybe you get some um, some points from Jaron Jackson Jr. He was living at the free throw line, mind you, last night as well. Uh, but he still doesn't look right coming back from knee surgery, by the way. But uh, it's a work in progress with him. And then Kyle Anderson's kind of an X factor, too. But it's really, I think, the scoring is going to will be all on the backcourt and the big uh, for Memphis. What are all the rules as far as what you're allowed to broadcast going forward? Uh, we will broadcast uh, all the way up to round one, the end of round one, except if a game seven would occur, most likely. I'm guessing that's uh, an exclusive on ABC. Uh, if ABC steps in any of the games, we can't broadcast. So okay. if it's TNT or ESPN, uh, we are able to do what they call side-by-side. Uh, they're not here. Uh, they're calling remotely, as we will again. It was great to be in the building for two games with fans. I just love it. It was yeah. great. And But we'll have a watch party. Uh, the fans are able to register and come in and watch. Uh, the game with us, uh, and we'll call it. Uh, Big T will be on hand with me on on both Saturday and Monday's games. So we'll we'll uh, we'll have the crowd at hand, and I'm, I like that idea too. I mean, uh, if they're away, let the fans enjoy uh, the arena and watch it on the big screen, just like <laughs> just like I will, and how we'll call that game. So they'll be hearing your voice in the arena. Uh, yeah, kind of bizarre, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if they they come in and um, we'll have it piped in and we'll That's watch cool. it together off the big screen and the concession stands are open, uh, people can um, you know come and go. Uh, you do have to register online. 
um, with, uh, I think you can check it out on utahjazz.com, but it's free to the public. And I think they've already had six plus thousand reservations to come in. So I think it's kind of a cool idea in a a difficult time and it doesn't cost you. Uh, you can just come in and, and enjoy the game and uh, in a in a big arena, you know, setting a feeling. So I'm I'm excited to have them there with us alongside. Yeah. Well, for people who cut the cord, this is a huge opportunity. True, it is, and you know, it's it's something. I'm not sure what game four. That's Memorial Day. Yeah. Uh, on Monday, which again, I'm not sure if they'll open the arena or not. But I know they're going to try this on on Saturday, and uh, hopefully, this there'll be more to come as the Jazz uh, continue down the road to, uh, to, to a Western Conference title and hopefully beyond. Well, Bowler, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for hopping on with us. Absolutely. Hey, just a, a shout-out to Joe. I thought that was one of the most incredible class moments in NBA, uh, I can't say history, but look, uh, handing a trophy off to your teammate, if he didn't think that was special, look, he put his own ego aside to honor a teammate. And I just sat back and went, wow, what a great idea by TNT. But Joe was the fuel behind it that would go along with it. Tell Joe as I warm up his act, man, thumbs up. I thought that was really one of the coolest moments uh, that two teammates could share. And I could tell Clarkson was truly, truly moved by that moment. Those two guys have a great bond, and you could tell. That was that was a great moment for the Jazz, for Jazz fans and, and really Jazz history. It really was. It was great. Bowler will do it. Thanks for joining us. All right, guys. Take care. See you soon. This is Craig Boulderjack with PK and I. Coming up next, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles and the Jazz picking up the win. Totally different with Donovan on the floor. And we'll get into that with Joe coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz got game two Wednesday night. Saturday, they are in Memphis, and of course... Every week, Joe Ingles joins us. He joined us late in the show Thursday. We want to play it right now for you early risers and let you listen to Joe talking about the series, where things stand, and the Jazz picking up a win. Here's Joe on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. For a limited time only, get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. <laughs> good morning. I've got a. Uh... 
I've got Miller in the car and she just heard my name like through the intros and she's like, the Joe Ingalls show? The <laughs> Joe Ingalls jersey? <laughs> yeah, you're just dad, Joe. You're nobody to her outside of dad. No, all her friends at school call me Mr. Joe Ingalls and then she comes home and like, silly, like when she's being in a silly mood and calls me Mr. Joe Ingalls. <laughs> Where does she get that sense of humor, I wonder? Yeah, she's got a bit of my uh, personality, so hopefully hopefully she, she takes more after her mother and me. It'll be a, a lot better for her in the long run. So with your personality in mind, Joe, how glad were you that Donovan Mitchell farted? I mean, started in the game. <laughs> how funny was that? <laughs> how do you mix those two words up? <laughs> That's not anything like I don't. I'm not going to try and pretend I can make up a word that sounds the same. But like that's not even this. It doesn't even sound the same. Well, of course, and you couldn't let it go either. No way. Not with those guys. I'm, just, I'm making sure I call out everything. Yeah, let's hear it. What changed? Where did they fart? Where did they start finding success? And and what do you guys do about it in game two? I'm not sure where they fought it. That's what you just, uh, asked. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> I once asked a basketball coach, you've had great success, but I kind of stumbled over success and it came out, eh, maybe sex, at home. <laughs> Which the guy had well, three kids, so maybe, I guess it was accurate. <laughs> maybe, uh... Maybe someone else would have let it go, but no matter the uh, seriousness of the situation, I ain't let that go. I knew you weren't. I was laughing while I was listening. So how much better is life after a playoff win? How much better do you feel at 1-1 than you would have at 0-2? Oh, I mean, I never ever thought about 0-2, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, I mean, it feels, obviously feels good. I think we kind of got got back to our ourselves a little bit I think we um, we didn't play we didn't play well um, lots of turnovers I think they had like 16 17 offensive rebounds in that first game um, just led to some, some well a lot of easy buckets for them with the turnovers and that so um, we didn't we didn't probably move the ball as well and get the shots that we we would normally get and take. Um, and then obviously, like I said, with the, the turnovers and that too, um, we were just kind of on the back foot a little bit, I think, with, with their um, energy and in, in pushing the ball and running and, and like I said, off off turnovers and, and those like offensive rebounds and stuff, it's hard to, to play we wanted the way we wanted to play. So um, it was good to have, have Donovan back out there and have a, another... Um, another target, another uh, attacking um, guard who obviously they have to heavily respect. And um, yeah, we got, I think we got back to our, ourselves a little bit from that first game. So I was interested to see how Mitchell would do right from the start, you know, because five weeks is a long time without going and playing NBA ball and nothing you can do can recreate that. But the thing that I thought was great for him is that he looked like he hadn't really missed a beat. He came back. He didn't play as many minutes, obviously. But when he first got out on the floor, hits the three, I thought, wow, that that's the Mitchell that I saw back in April before he got hurt. How much of a boost and a jolt do you think that provided the team? 
Yeah, I mean, I think regardless if he was out another game or two or whatever the situation was, I think we would have been better in that. Was, was unbelievable and um, maybe a part of that too, that the energy in there was, was obviously him him being back and, and healthy. Um, but yeah, like you said, just, just to have him out there and um, obviously he's still been around our group, so we've still, we've still kind of had him around a bit, but um, I mean, I was probably the happiest out of anyone to not have to bring out the ball every possession, so um, yeah, it was, it was great to have him out there. Like you said, I think he the, the first few possessions, he kind of just, just let it come to him. He didn't try and force it. He didn't try and kind of come out with a bang and, and, and be super aggressive. He let the game come to him. And I think he got like a catch and shoot three at some point in those first few minutes. And I think once that once he saw that go down, I, I think it was kind of, like you said, like it just get kind of right back into where he, where he left. So um, obviously he was on a bit of restriction. Um, I don't know how long that will last or, or what the case with that is. But obviously, the, the more he's out there, the, the better it is for our team. So I wonder how much of Game 2 was you guys feeling, uh, I don't know if desperation is the right word, urgency, feeling urgency because you lost Game 1. That always seems to happen in the playoffs. But this seems different than most playoff series because I think a big part of Game 1, correct me if I'm wrong, but a big part of Game 1 was – your preparation. We always hear you play better when you have more preparation, and yet you found out you didn't have Donovan just a couple hours before the game. So you shoot around, you practice, the preparation wasn't the same, and I think that led to problems. Do you feel like that lack of preparation led to problems? Yeah, I mean, it was a, a little bit of a surprise. Like, like, like he said, and I think a couple other guys said, like we assumed he was playing. Um, I went to have a little lay down for half an hour and I woke up, well, I closed my eyes for a bit, I don't know if I fell asleep, but woke up and, and obviously found out he wasn't playing. So, um, uh, especially, I think for me, it probably makes the biggest difference in terms of my role. My role's very different with a full roster compared to, to one or two guys being out. So, um, but I mean, it, it, I mean, it's no excuse. It's, I mean, we've played a lot of basketball without Donovan this last few weeks and um, I mean, you've got to give a, a bit of credit to them. I mean, they came out, they had to fight their asses off to, to win these last two games in the, the plane to get in and, and obviously did that. We're playing some good basketball and came in confident. And I mean, what we, I think we had a week off, so we were kind of sitting around waiting for our opponent for a bit. So, um, I mean, there's a, a mix of probably a few things, but uh, there, I mean, there's no excuse. I think we... We had enough time to repair. We had enough time to rest. We had enough time to, to do all those things. And obviously, the the only thing that kind of took its time was was finding out who we were playing. Uh, apart from that, we we were able to do everything else. So, um, I mean, guys are guys are in and out in an NBA season a lot. And so, uh, I mean, I'm not going to use that in, as an excuse. I think they came out ready to play. Like I said, we 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 had. X amount of turnovers and X amount of offensive rebounds, which I think really helped the, the way they played. I think we we cleaned a lot of that stuff up, um, and we're obviously adjust. And uh, like I said, I think we played a lot more like ourselves in the in the second game. 
So Moran has been sensational in both games. Brooks has been pretty good. Valanchun has been pretty good. How much concern do you have defensively to make sure you keep those guys under control a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, it's Moran's a good example of one of those kind of the high volume, like he has the ball so much that there's going to be times where you obviously want to limit your breakdowns as much as, or not even breakdowns, but limit his um, kind of aggressiveness as much as you can. Um, but, but he does have the ball a lot, and he's going to, same with Brooks and same with Bellatunas, they're going to post on Tunis a lot. They're going to run the sets for, for Moran and for, for Brooks. So we've got to be locked in on on kind of those guys and then obviously another key is, is not letting other guys get off it's different if if Morant has 40 something and, and two or three other guys have 20 something like it's a, it's a different game so um, obviously with Brooks's foul trouble we were, we were able to kind of keep him out of the game a little bit Valen um, Tunis had some foul trouble and obviously Morant kind of put it on himself to, to take over I guess um, so we, we just got to make it tough for him um, like I said, they're going to play high minutes. They're going to play obviously high volume with, with the amount those, those two and three guys have the ball. So um, for, for us, we know we're a deep team. We can put different guys on them. We can we can play the way we play and make them defend on the other end. And, and like I said, just just make it as, as tough as we can for, for the, the 40 plus minutes those guys are out there. So when Memphis comes out in the third quarter and scores on 15 consecutive possessions to open the quarter, it took you guys eight minutes to get a stop. There were a couple timeouts in there. I'm just wondering, how much fun was Quinn in the timeouts? <laughs> it's always fun in timeouts. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, they, I mean, we obviously weren't getting stopped. The, the, the thing that held us in it a little bit, we, we were scoring a little bit too. Obviously, the lead got cut cut to whatever it did to at the end of that quarter. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be something. I mean, we can't. I don't know if that. I would be surprised if that happened at all all year. Really, um, it's probably the first time. Fifteen straight possessions is. Um, Obviously, that will be a sign that we, we, we needed to pick it up or whatever the case was, be more aggressive, be more physical. Um, I'm sure and have no doubt we'll watch parts of that at some point uh, today or tomorrow or the next day um, leading into this next game just, just to see um, what we can do better. Obviously, there's, there's times in games that things happen. You Obviously, we're going to give up points. We're not going to hold them to zero, but there's, there's a lot of things we can do, to, like I said, to, to make it tougher or, or harder on these guys to, to score or to get a good shot. So um, That's what it... I mean, it's a series. Um, that's what the series is about. You make adjustments on the fly and adjustments in games and adjustments on your, your day off. And um, So, like I said, we'll, no doubt we'll, uh, we'll see see some of those clips and then we'll figure out what we were doing and, and obviously try and be better for, for the next one. So tell us how it all came about with you obviously knowing the Jordan Clarkson thing and then the league must have got with you or something <laughs> and then you you basically you tell him and that was a that was a unique moment especially because you were also on the list and so in my mind Joe you may not be the sixth man of the year but you're the seventh man of the year. I know I should get a trophy or something. Exactly sure. yes no uh, question. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I said it at one point, like, I was surprised. Um, I didn't even know I was in the running or whatever. I, like I said, I've never played for anything like that. And 
um, yeah, it was a cool it was a cool moment I guess for me and I'll probably look back on when I retire it was it was a cool moment just to, to even be in a conversation I think the impact that we both make and, and the pride we have of coming off the bench and, and um, obviously we, we make an impact in different ways um, him what, what he does and the scoring and aggressiveness he brings is uh, is unique. I don't think you'll you'll ever see another player like JC. I think I said that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was <laughs> even though I was in contention for it, I was very confident JC was going to win regardless. Um, but yeah, I just got um, I guess I, I got asked um, or, or told that JC had won and. Uh, and then asked if I would be happy to, to present it to him. And um, I mean, it's pretty cool. I think you see a lot of these these trophies or situations get presented by family or or someone from higher up in the organisation or, or something like that. And um, I mean, it's very obvious that, that JC and I are, are very close and, and speak a lot. And like I said, I mean, it's funny. He, he's probably the one that's made and, and helped me feel a lot more comfortable coming off the bench and being proud to come off the bench and make an impact and trying to figure out how to make an impact coming off the bench. So, um, yeah, it was cool to, to sit in there with him and we just, um, obviously, we I, I knew what the questions were, <laughs> um, which is also why I got the first answer very quickly. Um, and then, yeah, just, just a, a pretty cool moment. I, I was... Like it was an honour to, to sit in there with him and, and to give him the trophy like that. To, it's normally a family member or, or something like that. I think it was Julius Randall's um, his, his kid. His, I think it was his son. Um, got gave him his most improved and stuff like that. So yeah, it was it was awesome. Like I said, to to hand it to him because we are close and um, obviously being kind of first and second in those votes was uh, was a cool moment. So I'm. Very, very happy that he, he won it. He, he deserves it. Um, and, yeah, next time, I, if I realize it's so close next time, I just won't pass him the ball as much. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you're very close to Jordan Clarkson, and then unexpectedly you're, you're very close to Dylan Brooks. I mean, that's what I assumed when I saw he wanted a piggyback ride in the middle of the game. Oh, you flopped on that one, Joe. Come on. <laughs> he, he landed on my head. <laughs> 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 like actually on my head like I mean I had a lot of uh, hate mail on my Twitter account after the game from I'm assuming uh, Memphis fans but um, obviously I wasn't trying to hurt him or like it was a, when you look back it looked I mean it was it was I didn't realize how high he jumped um, but yeah I I mean it's like any situation when someone Someone jumps and, and you've got a chance to to be able to get those three shots. I was trying to obviously draw a foul and get those three shots. Obviously, there was zero intention to, to hurt him as much as we've gotten into it the, probably the whole time we've played each other the last few years. Um, yeah, there's obviously zero intentions to, to hurt someone, but just, yeah, just trying to make a play to, to get those free throws. And, I mean, I got the free throws, but, um, yeah, it was... Uh, I definitely didn't realize how, how high he jumped until until after. Did you say anything? Because you like to talk in those situations. I'm surprised you didn't scream, and three! No, actually, um, actually really hurt my elbow. I landed on the corner of the floor or something, something whatever was down there. Um, 
So I actually hurt my elbow, so I was more worried about my elbow, to be honest. So best trash talk of the game, does it go to Donovan? Because when we got the second foul on Brooks, uh, the cameras were on him, and Twitter, you've probably seen it, came alive with the exact quote, which was very Joe Ingles-ish. Um, I'm taking no responsibility for the words that came out of his mouth. <laughs> so any, any people out there that want to blame me can go to uh, wherever they want to go to. Um, I'm on his yeah. ass. I'm on his ass. Get him the bleep out. <laughs> Donovan was suddenly much more popular, which is hard to believe, but true. <laughs> It's amazing, right? Yeah. Amazing the things we come up with in the, in the heat of the moment in these games. So no, that was uh, go ahead. Credit to him. Good on him. So you go back to Memphis, and you know home court is a big deal and all that stuff. How do you stay in the moment and not get it beyond the actual play, the actual game, as opposed to oh, we got to get one at least, and got to get home and all that stuff, and got to four as far as making sure you're not getting beyond what you need to do? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's kind of possession by possession. We just got to, um, like I said, we'll, we'll watch the film from the other, well, last night, um, and, and no doubt, as always, there's, there's things that we can work on and fix and get better at and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll do that. Um, obviously, the, the focus is, today having a bit of a recovery and rest and um, kind of get what you need to do and then obviously come in tomorrow and get organized and play and film and do what we do and and then uh, and then head out to the, the plane so um, yeah we'll use the data to get ready this morning uh, to, to rest and recover this morning and then and then just get ready kind of take it one game at a time obviously you want to try and <laughs> we, we obviously want to win both but you go in and focus on that first one and um, and the, the result happens, and then we, we do the same thing. I mean, it's it's a very cliche, boring answer, but it's kind of the way it has to be with um, with a series like this. Well, Joe, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Craig Bullerjack wanted to uh, make sure you got the shout-out for uh, giving your teammate the trophy. He thought that was cool, and he wasn't uh, messing around when he said it. So nice job of that. Nice job of the W, and we will talk to you again in another week. You will. I appreciate it, guys. There is Joe Ingalls. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.